Hi guys and welcome to Deshaming. Deshaming is a podcast and movement dedicated to raising awareness about incest abuse, sexual abuse, and childhood family trauma. I'm your host Pamela Clark and I'm a licensed behavioral therapist. I currently live in San Antonio, Texas and I'm also a survivor of incest abuse. I'm happy to say, I'm, I'm elated to say that today I am thriving. So sit back, relax, and I hope that this podcast and movement prompts you to get involved and helps you on your path to de-shaming. Okay, guys, we're back. Finally, it's a Christmas miracle. Happy New Year. <laughs> I'm finally doing another recording of de-shaming, and today I have the pleasure of having one of my new friends on here that I met through the de-shaming IG account. Her name is Brittany. She's amazing. She's gorgeous. (laughs) She is a survivor of incest abuse, and she has been brave enough to say that she will tell her story to all of you and talk about some of the things that she's done to help heal herself. Okay, Brittany. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, Pamela. (laughs) Take it away, sister. All right, here we go. So my name's Brittany. I've been in Georgia my whole life. I'm 30. Oh my God, you know, I was thinking about this morning. Am I 33 or 34? I can't remember. I was born in 87, April. (laughs) 33, right? No. Wow, I think I am 33. 33, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Time is just, forget about it. Um, Anyways, I, pardon me, I have have one daughter. She's five in kindergarten. Just amazing. So beautiful. Um, I'm currently divorcing, so I'm a single, single gal here in the country. (laughs) What'd you say? Is that good? Are you happy about the change? Oh, oh yeah. 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 It needed to happen. Yeah. (laughs) It's a huge growth opportunity for me to learn how to be comfortable with myself, which was absolutely needed for me to be able to grow and become more dependent and a stronger person, which I'm still working through. It's still hard to be on my own by myself, but I've come so far and I'm really proud of what I've been able to uh, endure. So I love it. Yay. (laughs) Thank you. Such a huge step. I honestly, it was so hard Um, being alone and also during isolation. uh, Yeah. I I moved out on my own with my daughter uh, in February of 2020. So like right after that is when everything happened and I've just been isolated in my apartment almost this whole time. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. I, I finally went to a Mexican restaurant the other day for the first time since I think March. I went Did it inside. Feel weird? Honestly, it felt like nothing changed, which I, I thought it was going to be really strange, but it really felt like nothing changed at all. There was just less people there. It was so strange. Yeah. <laughs> Were they good about wearing masks and stuff? Because I worry about that. <clears throat> um. It depends on what restaurant you go to. I'm over here in Canton, Georgia, so things are a lot more conservative. So a lot of people don't wear masks. So for me, it wasn't surprising to see people not wear masks. But okay, there you go. I I would say more people than not wear masks over here. So okay, good. Well, that's good to know. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, going a little more into like Waleska, you'll definitely go in there where uh, there are people just not wearing masks. It's definitely more 
Trump country. But anyways, <laughs> that's like it's like 10 minutes from me. So <laughs> bless them. Woo! Wait okay. to move. Can't wait to move. But anyways, um, <laughs> goodness. Uh, All right. Like I said beforehand, I apologize for my tangents, but tangents are good, girl. I like mm-hmm. them. I live for them. I have them constantly. So oh, no worries. In my head. Um, so when I think about uh, my incest abuse, mm-hmm. really, it's it's the first memories I think I have. Yeah. When I was a child, I I do have a lot of memory issues. I can't remember a lot about my childhood. When I do, of course, it's mostly the bad memories. <laughs> I can't right. couldn't hold on to the good ones, but um and now that's this is common. That's very common just to interject. Mm-hmm. That's really common for incest abuse survivors and long-term abuse survivors is Yeah. You in addition to blocking out the bad things that are happening to you, and that's a protective mechanism your brain does mm-hmm. for survival. Unfortunately, you always you end up blocking out the good stuff too. So uh, I know it's another thing they take away from us. Right? It is. It is. I I noticed that when I was probably around a teenager, when I tried so hard to block out the bad things, but it's like I thought about it the most, trying to block it out. So yeah. I remembered it the most. Ugh. And it's just, it does suck. It does suck. It sucks, doesn't it? When I hear my friends or when I'm reading books or anything and I hear about people talk about, oh, I remember doing this when I was six and it was blah, blah, blah. And I played with this when I was a kid. And I'm like, I literally don't remember anything from being right. a kid except for the bad things. And so I don't exactly remember when it all started with my brother. My brother was my abuser. Uh, he's three and a half years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was very young too. He was very young and I don't know what happened to him, but I know that he was also sexually abused by a cousin. I don't know which one. Okay. I just didn't ask. Yeah. I, just, I didn't want to know, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I've only ever been sexually abused by him, my brother. <clears throat> and so it, it's so strange. I feel <laughs> the very first memory I have is I'm laying in my bed and I think I'm four And my brother walks into my room because, of course, he came into my room a lot uh, when my parents were sleeping. And he always wanted me to try on my mother's clothes, like her bras and panties and stuff like that. And so I I swear my first memory is looking to my right by my door and he walks in and he has a bra in his hands and he asked me to try it on. And I'm like four years old, I think. Yeah. Because it's not me. I don't speak to my parents about this. I've only spoke to them about it um, a few times. And the last time was a really bad time, but we still have an okay relationship and I'll definitely talk about that. Okay. Yeah. But, um, so I don't exactly remember my age, but that was, I think my first memory was him having me try it on and he would do that. Of course he would have me try things on and let me see here. I'm trying to think of early memories. Well, and you don't, at that age, especially because you're just to add this in, mm-hmm. you're a kid, you're a kid and your family is there to talk, to teach you boundaries. They're the people who you're supposed to be able to innately trust, right? Mm-hmm. They teach you how to interact with other people. Yes. And so you're not going to question when your brother says, oh, try this on. You're not thinking, mm-hmm. well, bro's grooming me you know, for later on, right? Yeah. That's, you, you don't know to question it. 
Yes. And it's yeah. so strange being an adult and, and remembering, it's like you go back, you go back to those memories, but you're seeing it as the adult you are now. And you know that what happened was so inappropriate and so wrong. Right. And, but there's still a part of me that remembers my, my purely innocent mind that I just, I thought absolutely nothing was wrong. And, <clears throat> and that's the thing that I've struggled with a lot of my life. And I suppose, you know, I'd like to talk about that when we talk about healing from this is sure. the blame you put on yourself. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, it's so bad. But, um, uh, yeah, the blame you put on yourself. See, I did that thing where I lost track of what I was it's saying okay. <laughs> because that is just such an overwhelming feeling and I felt it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. But and, um, and when you talk about it, I just want people who are listening in case there are people who have suffered incest abuse and those who haven't, mm -hmm. it isn't really easy to talk about it if you don't do it a lot. Yeah. And, and when you're speaking about a memory as your body it holds those memories, the emotional memories, and you feel those same emotions you did as a kid. You mm -hmm. also end up feeling the same shame. Oh, yes. When you realize what they're doing to you is wrong. So yes. you have the emotions of, okay, this is what it really felt like when it was happening. Mm -hmm. And this is what it felt like when I, when I realized my family's not supposed to do this to me. Mm -hmm. I'm not, that's not my purpose in this world. And all that combined together is like a fucking tornado of emotion. Yes. It's hard to articulate that. It's incredibly difficult to articulate that. It, it really is. And I suppose in a way, that's why <clears throat> so many survivors are silent about it, because it is just so hard to open up about being molested by someone who's a family, because um, it, it's always been made, I suppose, a joke, you know, being molested by your uncle, you know, your uncle diddled you or some disgusting thing like that. It's always been made fun of. So it's like you, you feel ashamed to bring it up to someone because they will think of you as less than or dirty because I thought I was dirty my whole life. Of course. I thought it was disgusting. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, of course. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's so shameful. And that's that's one of the reasons why I want so hard to be able to speak about it, because it was so hard for me growing up not being able to talk about this when my mother had no problem talking to everyone else about it. Isn't that amazing? Mm. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 I, I just remember that because you were talking about yours a little yeah, bit. Yeah, about how it was easy for a lot of my family members yes. to talk about the other ones who did it. I right. just had a, a flashback of my mother. I remember she told um, my brother's uh, Boy Scout leader, like, I don't know where I was. I was probably like seven or eight because that's right. when they found out. I was still very young. Um, but I just overheard her, like, telling adults, other adults, and I just felt so shameful. And I suppose what I should do is go into when they found out about it. <laughs> yeah, so from, you think it started around four. <clears throat> yes, yes. And it, it did not it, it did not go on for years and years. Um, so I, I guess I'll, I'll start, uh, I'll try to um, go into it a little bit more. So, um, so anyways, um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. It began no. with him having me try things on. Don't know how really how young I was. Um, I just remembered when I was younger that this was like our little secret and we hid it from the adults. And in my mind, I didn't think that was wrong. 
because he told me it wasn't (laughs) and I believed him he's older than me so he was my big brother uh you know my protector supposed to be but uh, exactly (laughs) supposed to be exactly yeah but so it always happened when we were alone and we were alone a lot of times my mother was very depressed when I was young and I didn't find out until I was an adult that she was an alcoholic um, she was a very depressed alcoholic, so she'd sit on the couch and just watch General Hospital and not really pay attention <clears throat> to us. Right. So we were pretty isolated, so that's when he would do things uh, to me. I will say that we I don't believe, from what I can remember, I don't think we ever had intercourse. And I had to say it funny like that because I can't say it normal because it hurts. <laughs> Right, exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Totally. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so, so. It's uh, really okay for you to be feeling what you're feeling right now. I know this is hard and you're, you, you, this space is for you to feel. You don't have to sound or say anything Mm -hmm. for anyone else but you. And if you need to cry, you cry. If you need to feel, you feel. The, the bravery in this is that you're showing the aftermath. Mm-hmm. of how important it is for us to talk about incest abuse because these are our tribes that raise us. They prepare us for the world and the damage is so deep. It is, and not to take anything away from any other type of abuse, please don't mistake this, but mm-hmm. it is a different type of abuse. Yeah. It, it is it affects every area of your development. You have every right to cry and be sad. <laughs> that is so true. And I just feel, it's like I get these chills running through my skin, you know? Sure, absolutely, yeah. And I'm definitely not ashamed. I just want to say that for Good. for the record. I'm not ashamed of crying. <laughs> Don't be, girl. It's I'm a, not a power. I'm not ashamed of my weepy voice, you know? Don't this is ahead. about... This is about talking about the hard stuff, and it's such a relief when you do because I've always been very open about what happened to me. Good. <clears throat> Let me gather myself. <laughs> and and I have noticed through communication and letting others uh, know my story and opening up that it just is, it makes me feel <sighs> such a relief. Like it's not my dirty, dirty secret. Like it has no power over me in a way. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're shedding that shame every time you talk about it. Exactly, exactly. So, all right, I'm good to go. (laughs) So badass, Brittany. Okay, so your mom, how did uh, your parents, I'm assuming, um, how did they find out about? Okay, so um, I think I was around seven or eight. we were, I'm going to go in detail. So just let me know. You go for it. Yes, yeah. this is your story. This is your platform. <laughs> so we were in my childhood home and my brother had me on his bed and I was on my back. And that's why sometimes I'm real fuzzy about exactly how extreme it was. Because right. a lot of things he did while it was over my underwear. So right. I just remember... I was laying on the edge of the bed and he um, was down there and 
my mother walked in the room. <laughs> she just came out of her room. She was taking a shower. And I remember this still. She was taking a shower because she still had her robe on. She had her hair up in a towel. And she walked out of her room and she came into his room, which was right across. It was adjacent. And she just immediately saw what he was doing. And I just remember it being sudden chaos. She was pissed. There was screaming. Of course. Wow. Yeah. Of course. You know, I think about being in her position and honestly, I don't know what I would do either. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> I remember being so scared that I, I ran to the hallway into the bathroom and I locked the door and she was uh, screaming at him. And I remember like still to this day. And of course, I wonder if it's a, if it's a fake memory because that happens. But I just remember her screaming, this is what you were doing last night, you know, something like that. And in my mind, I'm like, what happened last night? I couldn't really remember. I was so little. But um, I don't know what else happened at that point. It was very soon that she came to the bathroom door and uh, was yelling at me to open it. And, she, oh, God, I was so scared, but I was more scared of not doing what she said, you know? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I think I had the lights off. I was just trying to hide, but um, I opened the door and she came in. She slapped me really hard. She slapped you? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Goodness, I still cry about it and it's been so long. Well, it's been, that's a moment when uh, you should have been held and protected. And, and so again, that that's the, another betrayal on top of what your brother was doing you now can't and don't feel safe with your mother yes that is right right and that that was um I think that's what began the shame sure yeah absolutely absolutely mm -hmm. that's that's the moment I knew that it was very wrong I didn't understand why right. <clears throat> Sorry, let me compose myself again. <laughs> well, and what, what, you, what you didn't get to to work to know either. So in that moment, you knew it was wrong, but you felt like you were part of the wrong. Yes, yes. And you weren't. Yes. And that's the thing is, is, and so that piles the shame on. Oh, yes, absolutely. I had no idea. Like, of course, in my mind, you know, trying to remember how I felt back then, you know, I... I remember it being a secret, but it was, you know, it's not a secret like we have now where, you know, it's a wrong secret. It was just, I literally, I had no idea. I just didn't have any idea why she was so mad. And that was really the last uh, thing I remember of that day. Um, after that, things are very blurry and they move very fast. Um, you know, my parents didn't sweep it under the rug. I have to give them a lot of, they did the right thing. Um, my brother, I think he was, he was 10 or 11 at that point, I believe. And I, again, my ages could be off a year or so, but right. they did send him to juvenile for it. Uh, and then after that, he was, he was sent to some kind of all boys delinquent camp. I'm not really sure, to be honest. Right. Um, I tried very hard, and I still do to this day, to not uh, keep tabs on what he does with his life. We are estranged, even though I still see him for holidays and everything. But, um, okay, so. In that, the thing, 
that's the it just made me as a survivor <laughs> made my skin right because yeah. I, I that's the thing if someone had raped you you would never have to see them again mm-hmm. no one would expect you to and i'm not making a judgment call i realize these are families and it happened in mine too right yes i chose to remove myself from it all like i don't see these people mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a couple of siblings that I interact with, but they were not part of the abuse. Um, but that's the thing is you have to still see him. Mm-hmm. Yes. You and it didn't still see him. And that I, I, I have to end this. Like that is where I will say that's where the physical abuse stopped, but not the right. sexual abuse because after my parents found out what happened. You know, he went, he went to juvenile. I went to therapy. I don't really remember it. I just remember the doctor pointing at the smiley to sad face and saying, which one are you today? <laughs> That's all I remember. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And again, I mean, at least, I mean, my parents, again, this was the nineties. They still took me to therapy. They still put That's him in amazing. juvenile. I, I have to. That's amazing. Yeah. I have to really take in consideration what they did. Because, yeah. I mean, there were there was a lot of blame on them, too. And I can get into that, definitely. But as an adult, I have to look back and see what they did. So Right, it, yeah. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. <clears throat> so after my brother went came out of juvenile and... Uh, no, Brittany froze. There we go. We're back. She's back. She's not <laughs> anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, goodness. So um, um, things are, again, really fuzzy, but he came out of juven, uh, juven, juvie, juvenile, sorry. And he, he, I remember he didn't stay with us the entire time. He would live with my grandparents. He, he would get passed along a lot because on top of the sexual abuse, he was a very unstable. Um, still to this day, we don't, we don't even know what's going on with him, but I mean... I, I put together that I think he might be bipolar, but he is, um, he is absolutely, a, he's a narcissist and um, he has a very, very, very explosive temper. Like the kind where he, you, you literally see the veins popping out of his face and he'll hold his breath and his face will get so red and he'll just explode. And he's always, Oh, it's so hard to try to explain him because it's like you see watching someone as a, a as a child to adult have such such violent behavior. You're not really sure how to how to piece together in your mind as if you were say an adult now seeing the way someone acts and you're like, oh, that's why he acts that way. He's acting that way. Does this make even make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That that analyzing the behavior. Yes. Yes. Try to figure out why they're doing something. Yeah. And I've always attempted to analyze him in my own way. Um but he he's 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 still um, a very violent person and um Okay, going back. Okay. All right, so. So he comes out of juvie, and <laughs> yes. he's tossed around, but what happens to you? So what happens to me is I'm still living with my parents, and the times that he is staying with us, um, it's not a good relationship. Um, 
So he, he would live in the, he would live on the streets. He was homeless a lot because it was hard for him to just behave like a human, honestly. Right. Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, I get it. Yeah. He would, he would burn bridges. He manipulates. He, he's, he's a, he's a liar. He's a, oh my God, he's a narcissist and um, places blame on everyone else except for him. Everyone else is always at fault for everything. I mean, of course he would, he would fight almost every single day with my mom and dad. He would scream at them. I have a lot of, I have PTSD from it. And um, I remember I would try to stop them from fighting. Uh, I would, I had a, I would have a phone in my hand and I'd run to them and I would threaten to call, you know, the police to get them to stop. And I would be screaming at them. I'd be hysterical and pulling my hair out because they just wouldn't stop screaming at each other. And um, so that went on for just years and years. And when he was living with me, uh, we, we never spoke about the abuse. It was it was more of an unsaid thing between the whole family. Um, me and him never spoke about it. I just, I tried to avoid him. Uh, my parents, they set up motion detecting sensors in the hallways and on the windows in case he tried to leave or come into my room at night. Oh, wow. That's I, amazing. I, um, they would set it at night. And if I had to go to the restroom, I would have to yell for my mom and dad. Cause we didn't have cell phones back then. Right. Right. So I'd yell for them across the hallway. So they would uh, turn it off so I could go to the bathroom and then turn it back on when I went to sleep. I don't really know why they did that, but it, it was all assumption, you know, for me. Cause he would, um, he would, uh, you know, he would just leave. I don't know. He'd go through the window. Um, and also during the time that he he stayed with us, um, going a little more on the sexual abuse without having to physically touch me, he would still steal my underwear and my bras. I would go into his room because I just knew it was in there. Whenever he wasn't home, like I would go get my stuff back. And what really disgusted me more than him having my stuff is the fact that he would also steal my mother's underwear. I'm like, that's your mother? What? Right. Right. Are you kidding? What? What is wrong with your mind? Right. Yeah. I can't well, even go there. I can't even go there in my mind. So I would go into his room and I would take our things back and he would constantly just, it would constantly be in his room. It'd be, a, I don't want to say it's a game because it's disgusting, but it was my life. So it was like, I would go into his room and get our things back um, every week. And, and did he know you were going in there to get the things back? Oh, we never, we never spoke. Okay. Yeah, we never spoke. I, I tried very hard not to have a relationship with him, even when he lived with us. Um, there was sometimes, <clears throat> there was a point in time where we even went to the same high school together, but I just didn't talk to him. We just, wow, it was really not a good relationship. I mean. Well, of course it couldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> it be a good relationship. I mean. <laughs> Honestly, even despite despite the abuse and what he did to me, it's honestly his personality that makes me so scared of him, not want to be around him. I mean, he's still an abuser to this day. He, he abuses his girlfriends. And I just found out about that about two years ago that he hits his girlfriends and lies, manipulates them. Um, I remember... You know, I see him for Thanksgiving and Christmases and he would, uh, she would show up and she wouldn't speak. And we're like, why doesn't your girlfriend speak? You know, we'd be, we would, I would say that to my mother 
and <clears throat> oh, she froze again. I want to talk about it. Is, oh, there you are. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, <laughs> can you hear me? Yes, it froze okay, again. Good, good. I just wanted to make sure a little prompt is coming up on my computer. Yeah. So about two years ago for Thanksgiving, his girlfriend came and um, again, she, she wasn't speaking. And a few days later, she ends up calling my mother. So she got my mother's number from his phone and she was talking to her um, without him knowing, like scared. And she's, she's, over, she's in love with him. She's in an abusive relationship and she's trying to tell my mother that he told her not to speak not to talk to anyone. Um, he made up this huge lie about how he bought my parents this little farm that they're living on so he can take care of them. When in truth, no, everyone's always taking care of him. It's the other way around. But it's all about him being a narcissist and he just can't stop lying. And so I... <laughs> Wasn't so, that interesting though? Because I, I want to interject that. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people and especially a lot of families will... Um, I know mine did on some levels... Uh, will assume that the abuse ends with the one person and it never does mm -mm. It never does because it isn't about like it wasn't about me when I was being abused and of course those people have absolutely abused other people it is a and that's that's another layer of incest is if we can put an end to it or at least stop it we're saving other people too yes that makes sense like we're saving the people who are later like the girlfriend's going to be beaten and controlled or rape date raped or any of the myriad of things that someone like him mm -hmm. will do to absolutely or even the other children that they will molest oh my god yeah I exactly and never let him alone with my daughter <laughs> of course not and but the thing is is that's the importance of talking about it that's the mm -hmm. importance of you and how raw you're being and how brave you're being people need to hear it people need to hear the reality of it mm -hmm. that that it is so layered it isn't yes. as simple as saying okay and there's no, no simplicity. And I have been raped too. So I can say this as a rape victim. Mm -hmm. It would, and my therapist and I, and I don't, if this upsets someone, I don't mean it to be upsetting or disrespectful, but it was so much easier for me to get over that. I don't even feel like I had to get over it mm -hmm. because I never had to see the dude again. Yeah. Like I never had to, I never had to. And I almost at that point, because of my childhood abuse, expected it. I felt like I deserved it. Like, it's yes. what I'm here for. You know, that's what this is about. Oh, my God. So that's the importance of you talking about the layers of all mm -hmm. of this. Yes. And I just have to speak on that because I wanted to bring it up. Talking about expecting it. When my brother molested me, I expected every man in my family to do the same thing to me. I was waiting for it to happen. Yeah, I thought even as a teenager, I did not, I still had a part of me that thought, oh, maybe my father looks at me this way. Exactly. When is my uncle going to do things like this to me? Right. Does he think about it? Does he want to? I mean, I could have had, 
what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it's, you just. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. You feel unsafe. That's really what it is. It's just feeling so unsafe. Yeah. All the time. You feel unsafe all the time. And I have hypervigilance, you know, as an adult constantly um, due to just all, just feeling so unsafe with my family and just, you know, constant fighting, constantly on edge, not knowing what's going to happen next. Right. Oh, that's awful. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure my daughter doesn't live a life like I did. And which means speaking about it because my family did not talk about it. They didn't talk about alcoholism, sexual abuse. My father was raped. My mother was molested. I didn't realize my brother was molested until I was an adult and I brought it up with my parents. I actually got a screaming match with them because I held things in for so long and I was uh, I'll put this out there. I'm also an alcoholic. This was about three years ago. I was drinking and I just blew up at them. And I was like, why didn't you protect me? Why didn't you do this? Absolutely. The, tru- the truth is, I didn't know that they didn't know the extent of it when it comes down to it. In my mind, as a child, my parents saw everything, knew everything. Even though, again, right. it's a secret and my mom walked in on it. My thought is my mom knew everything as soon as she found out. No. She didn't know the extent of what he made me do. Right. She didn't know that after he came back from juvenile, he would purposely leave his door open so I could walk on and him masturbating. And he would just be holding his penis in his hand, looking at me like, oh, what? Oh, I'm busy. Can't you see it? And and it's an extension of the abuse. Yes. You, You know, whether people want to look at it that way or not, it's an extension of abuse. Mm hmm. He might not be touching you at all, but it's even worse, I think. That kind of abuse can be worse. And it's my opinion, and I'm saying that because I'm doing a podcast and I don't want people to be offended, but Mm -hmm. when someone physically hurts you or physically assaults you sexually or or physically, you concretely know what happened. Mm-hmm. When they mess with you like that and the games he would play with the bra and your mom's stuff. Yes. It's so less concrete. It it's even more of and it causes you to question, did he mean to do that? Does yes. he mean to do these things? When you innately know he did, mm-hmm. and that's harder to heal from. That's exactly what happened because I remember walking in on him because it would literally it would happen constantly because he because now as an adult, I can say he wanted me to find him. Right. He would have porn blasting my parents and grandparents, you know, they still left us alone. So, again, he never touched me again, but his his way of doing whatever game or power that he wanted as now a teenager was having me just find him like that. That was his power without having to really do anything to me. Well, because if, if you told your parents, he could deny it and say, Oh, I wasn't, I didn't touch her. I didn't touch her. Yeah. 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 And of course I never brought it up to them because I didn't feel safe. I, I, right. What happened last time, you know, me and my parents spoke about something about my brother is, I I'm the one left with shame and not having the support that I need. So I kept it to myself. And, um, I would say that was all that I can remember, um, about the abuse with my, my brother. That's, that's really the last thing I can remember. Um, there were times 
you know, there were just a few times afterwards. I don't know why. Again, I can't get inside of his head. I don't want to be in his head. I don't. And he's not important. Like it, you are the you are the one that's important. Like, yes. He you it's important what you felt and what you thought. It doesn't matter why he did it. He did it. And yeah. and that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all that should matter to you. Mm-hmm. He's responsible for the other part. Yes. Not you. Like you don't have to figure him out. Yeah, you never and- will. You never will. It's never going to get to a point where you completely feel like you understand him. Yes. And I, because when it comes down to it, as someone who was sexually abused, I didn't take that and abuse someone else. I, I didn't become an abuser exactly. like he did. Exactly. I don't have that mindset. Right. Exactly. I don't have that mindset. I can't go there and I don't want to go there. And I am going to do everything I can to make sure that the cycle abuse that my family has been through hopefully ends with me. Word, sister. That's what this is all about. (laughs) That's what this is all about. I mean, the the alcoholism, the the incest, the sexual abuse. I'm not going to be like my my family before me who estrange each other, which I did to my brother. You know what? That's my that's my deal. I'm I'm not going to forgive him. I just want to say I'm not going to forgive him. (laughs) You're not obligated to, and I don't think that anyone is. And this is this goes against. And I'm going to do a whole podcast on forgiving, mm-hmm. by the way. Oh. Um, I don't think you have to. I don't mm-hmm. feel, I think you need to heal. And I yes. think you need to mourn. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to process the pain. But as far as forgiving, to me, when and correct me if you have a different visual. When I visualize forgiving someone, I'm handing them something. That's what it feels like to me. I'm saying it's okay what you do. And I think that's the visual that most of society has. And you don't have to forgive someone who doesn't regret what he did. Yeah, that is true. He hasn't expressed remorse. Mm -hmm. He hasn't expressed um, any type of, and see, I'm getting emotional because in my Mm -hmm. family, forgiveness is big and not a single one of my abusers admit to abusing me. So Mm -hmm. I can't forgive you if you. That would be admitting that they did something wrong. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's never, I mean, that's going to happen. I don't, I don't care about that anymore, but that's years of therapy. Like I don't really care what any of them think about yeah. it anymore, but I can say that because I've processed through it. I spent a lot of years caring about that. But my point of all this saying is that you do not have to forgive him. You're not obligated to do that. That's his mm-hmm. job. That's his part of the game. That's, yeah. That's it, his part of the abuse. You just need to, forgive yourself for holding on to the shame that isn't yours that shame belongs to him yes you have to it's not yeah. your fault absolutely it is wrong. not your fault we did nothing wrong Mm-mm. and for everybody out there listening you have done nothing wrong nothing none of this is yours none of the shame is yours it belongs to the wackadoos who abused us yeah and honestly <laughs> practice whatever you can to communicate with someone that you feel will support you and someone you feel safe with because I I've been open about my abuse since I was young since I had friends basically to speak about it with and I have noticed you know I'm 33 now throughout these years every single time I have spoken about what my brother did to me 
90% of the time that person has opened up for the first time about being sexually abused by a family member. Thank you. Exactly. My experience is very similar to that. And they're like, I've never said this before. I can't believe you're talking about it. I've always, this has happened to me. And it's just, it's so important to talk about this. It's so important. Yeah. And and it's scary, isn't it? And that's the whole reason why we have to keep talking about it because it Mm -hmm. is so prevalent in our society. Okay. We're going to take a break and we're going to break and we're going to record the second half of this awesome Mm -hmm. podcast. (laughs) 